There we go. Now I can hear you better too. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. No, that's sounds... oh, that is tons better too. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, now now Will's voice sounds I gotta way use... better. Yeah, he sounds. You sound more handsome now. <laughs> I sound like I belong on the radio. Um, Welcome um... to Soil FM. Welcome to Field Notes from UW Madison Extension. I'm Will Fulwider, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Geisinger. We bring farmers, experts, and agronomists to the table to talk about research-based approaches to the issues facing agriculture in Wisconsin. Today, we are talking to both an extension specialist and a farmer about strip tillage. First, we are joined by Dr. Francisco Ariaga. Dr. Ariaga is an associate professor and soil science extension specialist at UW Madison who specializes in soil physics and soil management. Dr. Ariaga, thanks for coming on today. Could you take a minute to introduce yourself and share what your research and extension work focuses on? Hi, well, thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited to be talking about uh, soil and soil management, especially specifically tillage. So um, my, my program, like you said, my training is in soil physics. I work in the area of soil management. So I like to say that the work that I do is to support the development of uh, agricultural management practices, um, in particular things that affect soil physical properties to improve soil health, water quality, and sustain sustainability. Um, I, I call my lab the Sustainable Soil Management Lab. Um, and I know the word sustainability sometimes is, is a little loaded, but the way I see it is that the sustainability, we need to be looking in both at the economic side of things for the farming operation, which is a business, but also of the functioning of the soil where that's where soil health comes in and also the environment at large. Um, most of the work I do, obviously I use it for, for scientific presentations and, and the like, uh, but also uh, most of, if not all of my research is geared towards the output of outreach and extension activities. Great. Now we're talking about strip tillage today, um, but when we hear about conservation tillage, no tills, tends to dominate the conversation. It's what a lot of farmers like to talk about. The soil health acolytes, when they're going around the country talking, they're mostly talking about that. But could you give us a little bit of an intro into strip tillage? As you know, some farmers are out there doing it. For some people, it fits their systems. And, you know, what are kind of the advantages and disadvantages of it uh, compared to other types of conventional or con conservation tillage? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, too, part, part of the, the scenario or things that we need to keep in mind is that there's no one size fits all, right? Um, sometimes even within an operation, um, different fields need to be managed differently. And so when we talk about conservation tillage, you're right. I think no-till, it's it's what dominates the conversation just because it's sort of, to me, it's, it's the one end or one end of the range of the spectrum. Um, where you're doing very little disturbance. Ideally, the only disturbance you're doing, it's it's with either applying any fertilizers or manure. And when you're planting seeding, you know, you're putting that seed into the soil. Uh, and with strip till, you know, you're you're doing some further manipulation beyond that, right? You're you're trying to prepare the seed bed right where the where the seed is gonna go, right in the row. And so you're trying to limit the disturbance you're doing across the field. One way that I like to think about strip dill is that it's sort of kind of the best of both worlds in that you have that strip where you're doing the tillage, you're trying to prepare a seed bed and kind of address certain issues there. And that's, again, where you're going to be putting your planter in those rows. But then in between the rows, you sort of have then a situation where it's a, like no-till. 
So, so you're you're sort of gaining benefits from from both, especially in our climate up here in the Midwest, uh, where we can benefit a little bit sometimes, and depending on the conditions and the fields and so on and so forth, and the year uh, from a little bit of tillage, right? I I think the when we talk about conservation tillage, uh, the the one thing I like to talk about to contrast it is is the conventional. It, it's to try to reduce and not do excessive tillage. Mm -hmm. What is excessive though? That's where it gets tricky, right? How do we define that? Um, but but that's sort of where that range, I guess, a spectrum, I guess, if you will, of of tillage practices come in. And you were kind of talking about like sometimes the field can benefit from something like strip tillage. And can you drill down on that a little bit? Like what specific situations call for it rather than others? Yeah. So so I think strip till could be beneficial in let's say a scenario that you have perhaps a lot of residue. And so you want to, uh, like I mentioned, in our climate, we typically have cool springs. So getting some of that residue from the row where you're going to be putting your seed um, will expose some of that soil, which is going to be darker than the residue and will be exposed in or be receiving uh, sunlight. So we'll be getting this solar radiation, which will help that soil in that area to warm up a little bit faster. So you might get better conditions in, in that case. So that's that's one scenario, for example, where it could be beneficial when you have high residue and you wanna have that soil warm up a little bit in that strip. Uh, having said that though, no-till sometimes it's not too bad. I, you know, We have done a lot of research looking at no-till and yeah, the soil tends to be a little bit cooler early on, but then it catches up fairly fast. So, so, uh, but if there, that's a concern, right? The temperature, I think strip till that's, that's a good scenario. Uh, the other one too, if you have concerns about maybe some minor uh, compaction, soil compaction, doing that, that strip tillage that could alleviate. And it depends also how you have the strip till rig uh, set up. Some of them will have some kind of shallow shank that you can uh, run in the ground and do that. Uh, during my days with the USDA Agricultural Research Service down in the southeast, that's actually how we did strip tillage because mm -hmm. those soils actually have very low organic matter. You know, mm -hmm. if you had if you had half a percent organic matter on some of those soils, you were rocking it. You know, one percent <laughs> to half a percent. Uh, but those soils tended to reconsolidate on their own uh, just because of their condition, the type right. of soil we had. And so strip tillage, actually, we did it with a with a kind of a subsoiler shank oh. to address that. So you can configure strip till to kind of suit your needs. You know, this is very specific to the southeast that that one mentioned with a with a deep ripper type shank. Um, but but you can configure it to sort of address your needs, and and that's one thing I like about the strip till that it gives you still some flexibility. Right. And speaking of flexibility, you know, when we talk about timing, you know, uh, obviously time with tillage is really important. Um, and there are kind of some people that do strip stripping in the fall and in the spring and some people that only do in the spring. And I, I kind of think what's like, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, when is the best time to do it? You know, obviously in the spring it's wet, um, more often. And, uh, so it's maybe you don't have as good of an opportunity to get in there early in order to set up the strips or then planting because it's another pass you have to make in the spring. But I'm just curious about your thoughts on that. Yeah, so that that's I guess always the the sort of one of the debates, right? Uh, what, the timing when when to do uh, tillage uh, operation. Um, so again, it will it'll vary. I guess it'll depend. So the the biggest issue, I guess, or the biggest uh, hindrance, I guess, that I've heard, you know, concern that people have, it's it's the 
availability of the time, right? When, when can I get into the field? Uh, I have more time in the fall, perhaps, than in the spring. So I'd rather do it in the fall. Um, and, and I think that probably is a big factor when people are trying to figure out when to do a particular tillage operation. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter, not just strip tillage. In this specific case of strip tillage and kind of looking at the benefits, I guess, to the crop, benefits to the soil, you know, the environment and all those kind of things, probably doing it in the spring is a little bit better in that uh, you're, you can still get erosion, you know, depending on, on the um, slope of your fields and the configuration, how you're running the strip till uh, rig, you know, ideally you're running it perpendicular to the slope, all those type of things, but that can affect you can still get some erosion out of those strips. It's going to be less than if you were doing a full width tillage, mm -hmm. but you still get get a, a erosion on those type of uh, concerns. Um, so doing that in the spring would actually minimize that that risk and that concern. Um, but at the same time, you know, depending on your soil condition, if you do it in the fall, maybe the way that that strip is left, uh, the aggregates, the soil chunks, I guess, if you will. Are are not ideal for planting, and mm -hmm. so maybe do it in the in the fall. That gives it some time for that soil to mellow and have a better condition than in in the spring when you go to plant. Um, so it'll vary because of the conditions, but some of the things that to consider are are are, are these that I just mentioned. Yeah, and that'll vary with your soil type as well, right? Soil type, the year, moisture. Mm -hmm. You know what is the previous crop? Those 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 type of things, uh, you know, like after soybeans, I would say if you can wait till the spring, do it after in the right. spring, that, that residue doesn't, uh, it's not substantial compared to let's say corn, mm -hmm. right? So Yeah. So we're talking about erosion, talking about aggregation. And so that gets me thinking of soil health and, you know, what are all, all the folks that are all about soil health, you know, preach the no-till kind of uh, the word of no-till, so to speak. And I'm I'm curious, like, how does strip tillage fit within this, um, within kind of soil health and what are the implications for strip tillage on soil health? Yeah. So so I think strip tillage, like I said, it, it kind of gives you a little bit of good things from both worlds of, of, of uh, full width tillage and, and also um, the no-till. Um so I think as far as soil health, it's 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 a good system for soil health, right? You have the space between the rows. If you're planning on on uh, on 30 inch spacings, you might have about 20 inches in between. That it's essentially a no-till scenario in your field, and then you have these other you know 10 inches within that row that it's it's still, and you're kind of creating a little bit better conditions. You're maybe injecting or trying to incorporate some fertilizer. Um, uh, I haven't seen this, but I'm I'm sure somebody has done this, doing sort of strip till at the at the same time with a dairy applied manure, sort of like an injection type strip till manure injection kind of combo. I think that would be kind of kind of a a good setup to do. Uh, that's something we cannot dismiss here in the state, right? In Wisconsin, we have a lot of manure, and that's then you know we need to right. manage that uh, proper way. So uh, injecting that into the ground is the best way. So. As far as all the implication, I think it's good for the soil, right? It's going to be certainly better than full width tillage. It's going to be better than your chisel plow disc, uh, even even better than vertical tillage mm -hmm. um, in that regards, because you're disturbing less of the soil. And so it's going to promote aggregation. Um, 
the way I like to think about uh, soil health and aggregation, to me, go hand in hand. So the things that you can do to promote aggregation in your soil are going to help your soil health because ag aggregates, the space between aggregates and the space between those soil particles, that's where those microbes, the fungi, the bacteria live, mm -hmm. right? They live in aquatic environments and that's where the water is held. That's where the water, it's, it's retained. And the bigger spaces, the bigger pores that are between the aggregates, that's also then what's going to help infiltration, recharge that profile, reduce runoff, reduce erosion. So I think to me, you're sort of getting the best of both worlds with, with the strip tillage. And, and as far as soil health, you still will see great benefits compared to like full width tillage. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And since uh, Michael is currently on a train and can't ask his question about uh, nutrient management, you know, I'm here to ask it for him. Uh, and as you were talking about the opportunity for incorporating manure into the strips, um, and are there kind of, does this the strip tillage present you with, you know, to expound upon that, more opportunities for incorporating that fertilizer? There are different ways to place it than you would have in, maybe in a no-till system. Yeah, so certainly you you have um, a, an opportunity to to band it, but inject it, you know, in a band into the soil, and gives you some flexibility compared to to a no-till scenario where we just either broadcast or or just you know you're you're basically relying then on the water rainfall or irrigation by water to soak in the the whatever fertilizer or other material you're applying. And so with the with the strip till sort of gives you another 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 way of of doing this. And I've seen some setups where the strip till they might have a little drop down too behind right behind the the they might have a shank or something right behind it uh, to to place whatever fertilizer or whatever material they're trying to put into the ground. Um, <clears throat> I haven't seen much work, I guess, with liming and and, and strip tilling, but you know it it should help a little bit to incorporate into the soil. Um, relative to 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 no-till um and it, it will vary again like i said the setups can be quite different but yeah it does certainly give you another opportunity another another tool in the toolbox to to manage your fertility right and when we're here at the end of may and i look at the forecast and there's not no rain for the next 10 some days or more you know not getting that rain for that granular fertilizer that's not really going to do a lot for your crops there if it if we can't be like you said activated or you know pushed it down into the soil through that water so you know something like this gives you more flexibility as you mentioned correct um, correct and and if you apply it in the fall and you just broadcast and leave it on the surface right and you have potentially a, a, a higher risk of losing it in runoff during the winter months right so with this you get in the soil and, and that risk will will go down totally um Cool. Well, I mean, that's kind of all the questions that we had for you, Francisco. Uh, do you have anything you want to add here uh, kind of at the end? No, I, I, I guess to wrap up again, like I said, I think strip dill, it's, it's sort of an option that is very useful for, for Wisconsin. I think it's very viable. We have work uh, looking at this uh, mainly on corn for grain uh, because we're looking at, at um, residue issues uh, and nitrogen uh application rates and mm -hmm. strip till actually came as a very very strong uh competitor as far as the cost and the how the corn yield response uh behaved and so i think that's something that uh we probably should do a better job at advocating and kind of keep researching and and, and kind of 
promote as a system. Yeah, because it doesn't, it's definitely not something that feels like it's at the forefront of conversations. It's kind of like, oh, you know, there's that farm that strip tills over there, which yeah. I mean, if it's an opera, if it's like you said, a tool in the toolbox, we need to be talking about it, especially if folks are looking for a different way to move away from conventional tillage, but, you know, aren't fully ready to jump, you know, two feet into the, to the huge pond that is no till and all the, you know, consequences and difficulties that you have with changing that system. So. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's a big commitment, right? Like going from conventional tillage, full width tillage to then let's say you're telling me now I cannot run a piece of tillage equipment there and I'm not comfortable with that. Right. So it's a good, it's a good kind of at least step forward. But if you stop at that step, I think you're doing great. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, Dr. Ariaga, Francisco, uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Next, we'll hear from farmer Sam Johnson as he talks about what strip tillage is like out in the fields. We started strip tilling in 2005. Sam is a row crop farmer near River Falls, Wisconsin, and is active with the South Kinnikinnick Watershed Council. Uh, we rotate between beans and corn, and where we don't strip till, we plant oats and some bean fields, so then obviously we dig that a little bit, but no, we just found that uh, with the erosion and stuff, we can get through, uh, let's see we don't erode as much with a strip killing as when we plowed everything. You can get by with less uh, waterways in your field. And kind of like, what was that decision process like? Were you just seeing that you had a lot of erosion on your fields after kind of doing more like heavy plowing tillage and you're like, okay, we need to make a change here to, you know, reduce that erosion or were you thinking, okay, um, you know, this is something new. We might as well try it. A little bit of both, I think. There's, you know, you go by fence lines that have been there for years and years, and the fields are, you know, a foot or more lower than the fence lines. And so something had to change, and it was a new thing, and my dad thought it would be a good idea. So there we go. We started trying it, and, you know, the neighbors are like, what the heck are you doing? But <laughs> as far as yield-wise, it's very similar to everybody else, and the less passes across the field the better is what we figure so where did you uh end up getting that equipment and kind of like what was the process of choosing the the implement that you ended up getting well i think at the time i mean it was well, let's see 18 years ago there wasn't many to choose from uh we ended up getting a dmi one from a implement dealer just in across the border in minnesota and we actually didn't have a big enough tractor to even pull it. So we borrowed a neighbor's and for the first year. And then we ended up buying a new tractor, or not a new one, but a new one to us. And went from there. Did you see a pretty immediate difference in that first year? Or was it, you know, a couple of years down the road that you started kind of seeing a little bit of change in, you know, either erosion or, you know, your yield stabilizing to what they were? I think 
you know, the first year, I actually wasn't full-time farming then at that time yet. Uh, the first year, it was, I we didn't do it all, strip till. But as it progressed, it just, it you know, it's so much faster because you do one pass and you can plant. And it was like, you know, time is money, right? I mean, so you got to do as much as you can, as quick as you can. And the yield-wise, we never really saw that big of a difference ever. I mean, I'm sure there is, but, you know, you're saving time and fuel and everything else, but the less passes you go. So we just continued with it. And do you feel like, have you ever had to modify it or change it over the years? You had mentioned earlier in our conversation that you had gotten GPS at some point. Well, yeah. So we didn't have GPS for the first, I don't know, five, six years. And then I was doing the spraying and I was noticing like when you'd go around a corner or if you'd get off the row a little bit, you know, the beans or corn or whatever it was, was probably six inches shorter than the stuff that was actually in the row. Oh, wow. So then we just discussed that it would be beneficial to get GPS so you're make sure you stay in the row and it makes a huge difference. Kind of like following up on that staying in the row idea. Are you all, when you do your, your row creation with the strip till, are you choosing the same spot year after year or are you kind of alternating between the areas that were stripped and those that weren't? No, for compaction, we just, we use the same lines. Like, I mean, I know there's fields on there from the first year that we did it, that we still use the same line. Mm, okay. So same over and over. Would you say that's pretty typical for people that are strip tilling or? I, you know, I don't know. There's people around us that do like no-till, like they'll go no-till their beans in between the cornrows and then vice versa the next year. But there's not, honestly, there's one other farmer a little north of us that I can think of that strip tills. Otherwise, nobody really does it. Yeah, same. It's certainly not as widespread as some of the other uh, ones, but it sounds like it's working really well for you guys. Uh, you kind of touched on this earlier, but I'd like to talk about talk about it again here. So do you guys tend to strip till in the fall or spring? And then could you elaborate on that? You know, why one might be more preferable than the other? Well, when we first started, we tried getting everything done in the fall. But as I said earlier in our conversation that before we got GPS, you couldn't, you couldn't really see the row very well. So we quit doing it in the fall. And in our cornfields for beans for the next year, the corn stalks were so tough to try to strip till through that we'd started using them or waiting rather till the spring. So you could go through those corn stalks better. But now that we have GPS, we could for sure do the bean fields. That's going to be corn next year in the fall because it doesn't matter. You know, you can just, you don't even need to steer anymore. So that, I mean, it's a time thing too. It's, it'd be nice to get some done in the fall, but depending on the weather, obviously, and how harvest goes, if you have the time to hop in there and do it, but there's also like to hunt too. So, you know, there's, yeah, you got to like that. You got to balance it. Time is money, but it's also hunting time. <laughs> right. Right. So, right. Right. Awesome. And uh, 
what are you know some of the advantages or disadvantages that you that you've seen in your strip till system over a no till or a conventional till system? It sounds like you guys used to do a lot of plowing. Yeah, I mean, the big thing is the time. Uh, is huge save. You know, you go like our neighbors they chisel plow and then they'll in the spring or they'll chisel plow in the fall. And then they'll have to dig it in the spring and then put fertilizer on it and then go dig it again, then plant it. Whereas we, we just go in and strip till it and plant it and we're done. So, it, it, I mean, the time thing is huge. For yeah, does that, does that strip ahead. tilling uh, tend to save you money on fuel, especially compared to like a conventional implement or is it pretty comparable? Oh, yeah. I think it's, it might be comparable, but the, you know, the less passes is huge. You know, you got to go instead of three, four times or whatever it may be, it's once. I mean, we did some trials where we no-tilled some and strip-tilled some side by side in the same field. And the no-till was significantly, I think it was like five or six bushel. It was beans. I know that and it was like five or six bushel less. Per acre, or you know, the, we didn't do a whole acre, but side by side, there it was less. And we honestly haven't conventional tilled for corn or beans in a long time, at least eighteen years. So I I can't really say conventional till anything bad or good about it. So yeah, sounds good. I did have a logistical question that I wanted to follow up on too. Um, when you guys are getting ready to strip till what kind of field conditions are you usually watching out for so you know it's time well we just do it there's uh these uh wheels on the back and if they mud sticks to them we just quit really it you can it can be pretty damp out but you know, it takes quite a bit of power to pull it through the field surprisingly we only have a six row tiller but we had a two-wheel drive tractor on it when we first started and you could you could sometimes you couldn't make a hill so we ended up getting a four-wheel drive which you can go through a lot so and obviously it's basically when it's time to plant it's you can strip till and we usually try to you can strip till faster than you can plant so we if it's time to plant we'll go strip till a field and then they can start planting and you can keep strip tilling and stay ahead of the planter one advantage of doing it in the fall it does warm up a little quicker in the spring but we figure if you get a day or two head start it's good enough i have a a kind of funky question you'd mentioned earlier that you know the fence rows compared to where you'd been tilling for you know however many years the place has been farmed you could see the difference it was a foot deeper i'm just curious now that you have gps and you've been you know going over the same rows uh, year after year, uh, have you noticed some sort of differentiation between the rows being slightly lower than the kind of untilled um, mid medians, more or less, or is it just like look exactly the same at the end of the day? You know, it's it's interesting because you can go like from year to year because when you strip till like our machine, it actually pulls the ground up, so it makes a little mound where the rows go. Oh, okay, so it's actually actually it's if anything i think the rows are a little higher if anything otherwise it's 
and we don't go year after year after year. You know, we do a rotation of oats and hay because we have mm. cattle and horses. So it's not like we're doing the same fields over and over and over. You know, occasionally, you know, every four or five years, we'll put a field of hay or even if it's not hay, we'll dig it and plant oats because we do plant oats and then we'll do a cover crop after oats if we're not seeding it down for alfalfa. Gotcha. And then that cover crop is, do you strip till that end of that, that following year? Or is that like a winter killed cover crop? Yeah. So a lot of times what we've been doing lately is we'll strip till it or no till it. Okay. And is so, that, is that like a cereal rye cover crop or what are you all planting? Yeah. After? yeah last, last few years. Well, we used to do, uh, radishes and stuff but that got pretty expensive so now the last few last few years we've just done rye yeah and so you strip it and then you come back and burn off kind of in between this uh the strip till rows after planting or something well we'd usually try to burn it off and then just strip till it and Mm. plant it gotcha last or about three years ago we planted we got we didn't get to it in time and the i know that the rye was three feet tall and we planted corn right through it and everyone thought we were crazy and went in there and sprayed it and it was some of the best corn we had really another you know another advantage of strip tilling when you leave all that residue on top of the ground it holds a lot more moisture than if it's worked right yeah yeah so you're holding moisture kind of in between the rows keeping some of that right. and then you're you know getting that nice black earth exposed to the sun warming it up you know, right. getting it nice and ready for planting. So kind of best of both worlds, so to speak. Right. And that's what one thing we did have to do to our strip tiller machine. It came with coulters on the front, mm. but we took those off and bought some trash whips and put on, and that helped a lot. Looks like there's a little windrow of corn stalks a lot of times in between your rows, but it grows through it. Yeah. And then in those medians, I guess that's just what I'm going to call the area between the strips. <laughs> sure. Uh, do you have when you, so you've had, you know, you had three feet of rye. Do you get pretty good weed suppression from that rye? Yeah. You know, we went in there and sprayed it and it was, I think that was one of the only years that we didn't have to spray it twice because it just took, you know, it took that long for the rye to die down. And by the time that was, you know, the corn was a couple feet tall and, you know, it's just amazing actually how it works. The canopy was almost there, so it didn't have to spray it again. Right, right. Well, sounds like you've had a lot of good experiences uh, with strip tilling. And, you know, what would you say uh, is a little bit of advice for someone that would want to try it? Like my dad always says, you don't know unless you try. And it's it's hard because it's, you know, it's a big investment unless you can find a neighbor or somebody that has one to try it, but it's, I don't remember how much this one costs, but it's a big chunk, you know, and this one's getting, ours is getting pretty old and we've been looking at new ones now and there's a lot different, more companies that have them and you can demo them. So, I mean, there's that, if you wanted to try it, demo it. But big thing is too, if you don't have GPS you got to be awake awake when you're you gotta <laughs> you gotta pay attention because if you miss the row it's just like no telling so and it's a big difference if you miss it but it's it's worth a shot it saves you fuel it saves you time i'd give her a whirl 
<laughs> Sounds like pretty good advice to me. River World, we hear it straight from right. Johnson by River Falls. So I'd like to thank you, Sam, for uh, taking some time to be on uh, the episode today. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for listening. This has been Field Notes from UW-Madison Extension. My name is Will Fulwider, Regional Crops Educator for Dane and Dodge Counties. And I was joined by my co-host, Michael Geisinger, Outreach Specialist in Northwest Wisconsin for the Nutrient and Pest Management Program of UW-Madison. A big thank you to Joe Ryan for creating our theme music and to Abby Wilkie-Maki for our logo. If you have any questions about anything you've heard today or about your farming practices in general, reach out to the Extension Agriculture Educators serving your region.